0: It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. With me today, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Joshua Adkins. How's it going today, man?
1: It's going great. Been uh, a week off from the podcast. That was uh, unfortunate. Just kind of life got in the way of recording a pod. So apologies to anybody who's out there. Uh, uh, looking for it. We are back. Uh, it's uh, it's good to see you again, Nudes. I saw you in the flesh at a bachelor party last weekend. That was part of sort of the hangup, and uh, it's good to be back on a pod. I, we've we've had a lot of uh, unfortunate news uh, apparently uh, in the time that we've been off.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna have to break down some uh, really sad, disheartening injuries. So uh, yeah, we c- we can kind of just take it back the whole preseason. Some of this stuff is real fresh, but we can also kind of go back to like the. Cam Akers injury, maybe have a bit of a general uh, discussion on just kind of what we're doing with uh, the replacements, uh, any dynasty advice we can muster up from all that nonsense. And then after that, we're just going to kind of kick back and forth and give you a bunch of random top five lists that each of us came up with for our own personal top fives, uh, ranging from the 2020 Devy class, or 2022, excuse me, Devy class, all the way to just some some stuff from maybe the preseason that we've learned towards just general rankings. So, it should be a fun show.
1: Yeah, the season's uh, about to kick off. In fact, the college football season did kick off yesterday. It was kind of fun to get some of that back, although it wasn't a lot. It was it was nice to see, and, you know, it really kicks off on Thursday and, and even and furthermore on Saturday. So, both seasons are kicking off, so we're trying to cover some bases and just uh you know kind of get you prepped for both the college football and the nfl season which is uh only 10 days behind that so uh i'm excited for the show we do have a lot of ground to cover so let's just get into it in the time since we've been off like you said you know cam Akers, obviously we knew about at the time but jk dobbins we've unfortunately lost for the year with an acl injury uh travis etienne has as uh has a liz frank injury he is out for the season um, and then both uh, uh irv smith and evan ingram the news broke today uh, Irv Smith will need surgery to repair a meniscus. Excuse me, on his knee, and Evan Ingram left the game that we're watching, actually right now, with a non-contact injury. So, um, a few different injuries to look look out for, and and actually, I think the one other side note is is Daryl Henderson hurt his thumb, um, and you know maybe it was coming anyways, but that sort of to me uh, expedited the process of the Sony Michelle trade. So, uh, a lot of different moving parts here in fantasy in the last couple of weeks, uh, like you said. Um, I'm just going to kind of open it up to you. If you just want to have a general discussion about what you're doing, or what your general advice to be would be to you know dynasty managers in the cases of buying or selling injured players, um, or maybe any advice that you have on any of the uh, the backfield. So why don't you just go ahead and take us uh, take us away here?
0: Well, I think it's kind of funny that all three of the stud running backs that got hurt already had really interesting handcuffs, yeah. and quite frankly, all three of them had. Um, another guy in that backfield that I really liked even mm-hmm. before the injury. So, uh, Daryl Henderson, um, I, I liked him kind of independently of Cam Akers. Obviously, his role will, will expand. Um, I don't know if we're looking at a Belkow there. James Robinson, I thought was getting faded too hard because of ETN. I thought they could kind of yep. complement each other. Um, so yeah, I think James Robinson, there's no reason he can't have a similar year to what he had last year. And uh, Gus Edwards was a guy I know both of us were very high on for at least 2022. Uh, two. I'm trying to remember what year it is. Or tw- it's the 2021, 2021. Yeah. season. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, I think we have three running backs that all deserve to be, you know, acquired not just because of opportunity, but because they were independent, independently talented, uh, before these injuries we we actually kind of believed in them um, yeah uh, they were all this well they were all high efficiency plays before
1: this and actually you know to that point I think one conversation I've seen on Twitter a lot lately is sort of this zero RB strategy paying off and a lot of people excited that they've got you know that they went zero RB and got these players I think that's sort of missing the point of zero RB actually when I look at some of um, these injuries and the backups that then replace them Daryl Henderson I think honestly I might project better numbers for uh, with a guy like Cam Akers in the offense. I think, you know, I don't think his role is going to change as, as much as I think fantasy managers hope or are or are buying into. Uh, Gus Edwards is is sort of the exception here. I think you look at the efficiency he's had, you look at the offense that he's in, and now uh, the lack of talented players behind him. They did give him a contract extension in the offseason. I think he is the one, to me, that gets the most significant boost. Uh, And you're right, James Robinson was being faded too hard initially, Um, but now I think, you know, uh, wheels are up for him as well. I think, let's talk about the three injured running backs, Dobbins, Etienne, and Akers. Do you have any actionable advice for people on those those three players in Dynasty specifically?
0: Yeah, if you already believe you're a non-contender, I think I would... attack trying to get JK Dobbins on your team Mm -hmm. and uh, probably ETN as well would be um, my main advice, but I would hesitate on going after Cam Akers. I'm sure we've talked about this, but no one has really come back from an Achilles at that position efficiently. I think he has a chance to be the outlier, but um, I think we'll learn a little bit from Marlon Mack if modern medical you know, surgical procedures have advanced that process. But um, I think Dobbins, just in an ACL, guys have come back from that a thousand times now. I think I'd be trying to acquire him for maybe a first. I don't know. Is that too much?
1: Mm, No. Well, what I was actually going to say, if the price is a first, I would absolutely do it if I'm a contending team. And the reason I say that is we're going to talk in a little bit about the 2022 class. I don't think that there's a running back significantly better than J.K. Dobbins in the upcoming class, or for that matter, Travis Etienne. I think I would group him in the same conversation. Liz Frank, I think, is a much more recoverable injury, as as you said, with Akers. So to me, actually, both of those players, I think, are sneaky contender buys in the sense of if you can afford it or if you can do it for a first-round pick. If you have a true contender and you can uh, go acquire J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etzian for your first round pick. That's, a, that's an easy decision for me. So I don't think it's even limited necessarily to just contending or, or non-contending teams. Um I would go fire out that offer almost irregardless if you could get it done for a first. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. I like the way you phrase that. If you're a contender, you're expecting that pick to be 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Uh, It's a running back that's obvious, you know, like you said, bad class. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that tracks.
1: Uh, Irv Smith or Evan Ingram, uh, any player behind them that interests you, or should we just move on to uh, some top fives?
0: Well, Tyler Conklin would have been a little interesting to me, but I think he's dealing with an injury of his own. So, so I I think if you're trying to track the Vikings tight end room, I, I don't know if there's much of anything dynasty relevant until Irv comes back. Yeah, it's such a shame because he did look good in the preseason
1: game here the other night. I'm not sure when he got hurt, but I did notice he came off the field before Kirk did. So that maybe should have, you know, raised some signals because uh, obviously he's going to miss a couple games to start the season. And like you said, I'm not sure that anybody on the Vikings can really meaningful, meaningfully impact uh, fantasy lineups at the tight end position. So I think you're just kind of holding and waiting on Irv. Uh, should we get into our top fives here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you want to start with one of yours or should I start with one of mine?
1: Yeah. So, well, let me just, I think the easy way to do this, at least for the 2022 classes, is, is let me fire off the onesie positions because I think we can pretty succinctly get through this and I want to get through, I know we have a few different categories here. And so I kind of want to get through as many of these as we can and we want to keep it to under an hour. So uh, let me just fire off the tight ends and quarterbacks and then and then we'll kind of just get into it that way. So uh, this is my top five tight ends for the 2022 rookie class. All of these players are draft eligible. Not necessarily all of them have to come out, but this is the five as I see it right now. Uh, I'm just going to give you the list, and then I'm going to maybe talk about uh, one or two guys that I find particularly interesting. So my number five is Charlie Kohler. Uh, he's out of Iowa State, six six two sixty. 260. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert is my number four. He is Ohio State, 6'5", uh, 252. Uh, my number three is kind of a sneaky guy. I'm not sure on most people's lists is is this high, but it's Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati. I think uh tall, angular, contested catch player who I really like sort of uh, the ability after the catch sort of give, gives me some Mark Andrews vibes. Um, and then my number one and two are Jalen Widemeyer out of Texas A&M. He's my number one guy. And then Jaleel Billingsley, uh, a, a really exciting guy for Alabama. He's sort of a... Um, Tweener hybrid tight end. He's he's built much more like a wide receiver. Uh so he is number two for me on this list. I think you know he's a harder projection to make as we look towards the NFL next season. Um I think you know you look at this class overall, um, it seems to me to be perfectly average. I don't know that there's a ton of upside in it. We certainly don't have a Kyle Pitts as we did this this most recent season. I some of think some of those um more high impact players are coming in future classes, but I do think that there's guys that project as NFL starters. Uh, Widemeyeier is a, is a true NFL Y. I I think even with a little bit of extra juice reminds me a little bit of um, of Jared Cook, which is maybe dirty in fantasy, but if for for NFL guys, I think uh, Jared Cook's had a pretty good career. Uh, you got anybody that sort of maybe I miss sort of anybody that you like, maybe a little bit better I talked about and and we'll move it on to quarterbacks.
0: No, I did really like Weidemeyer and some spillover scouting from, like, when I was watching a bunch of Kellen Mann. so yep. um, I'm definitely going to pay attention to what he does, but I don't really have a big tight end take right now. Yeah, no,
1: I, I think we're going to have to, every. you know, this list, I think maybe the other thing we should say is, you know, this is going to be very fluid. The most, most important year of film is still to come for pretty much everybody on this list, and therefore... Uh, this is sort of a, you know, preview of college football, kind of some guys to, to get get eyes on right away. Um, but yeah, this list is going to be fluid. And so, you know, I like kind of how you put that there. So uh, on to quarterback, I, I think real, you know, it's hard to, you know, get everything down to five. So I'm going to just, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and I'm going to give you two names at five and six, two guys. I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I have not had a chance to watch and, and that's because they're small school guys. They're kind of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, because I'm sure there's people who have known about them for some time, but it's Carson Strong from Nevada, as well as Malik Willis out of Liberty. Uh, I've not had a chance to watch either of them, as I say, but, you know, part of building a a database like this and getting ahead of the curve is you kind of have to trust people that are in the industry, that are in the media. And so I've sort of sourced some of this stuff, and this is kind of two guys to keep our eyes on as we move into the college football season from some small schools. Uh, the rest of the guys here I have watched, Desmond Ritter is my number four. Another Cincinnati kid. I'm clearly high on uh, this Cincinnati Bearcats football team. Desmond Ritter, uh, huge accuracy issues down the field. Deep deep passing was was absolutely atrocious in the film I watched last season. But the arm strength is very good. He's He's very mobile. He's, I think, a better runner than maybe people give him credit for. Uh, he's going to be, I believe, a four year starter here. And, and and you know, he's had a lot of success at Cincinnati. I think he's one of the more uh, underrated prospects at the quarterback position in the upcoming draft. I think the rest of the, the guys here at, at two and three and, and one for sure uh, are more names that people know. It's Sam Howell, uh, Keaton Slovis. Both of them are two and three kind of uh, tied for me, I'd say at this point. Sam Howell is UNC, by the way. Uh, Keaton Slovis is USC i guess what i would say about both of these guys is they're they're going to be nfl starters at some point i think unless they really severely disappoint this season but they just from a fantasy upside don't seem to offer a lot of oomph i i I think especially with with my concerns with this unc offense and how much they lost in the draft most recently um, i worry about both of these guys a little bit but they have shown at least good arm strength good mobility slovis is kind of a, a guy who's built himself up a little bit so uh, guys that are at least interesting deserve to be talked about here, but I think are more average NFL prospects than maybe, uh, the community does. And then the guy that most everybody knows, and I know you did a film breakdown of, uh, in the, the off season here. So maybe I'll let you in on that. And that's Spencer Rattler. You wouldn't have anybody over him, the, the quarterback out of Oklahoma, obviously, uh, for sure. The most natural passer, I think in this, in this draft, good arm strength, good, uh, mobility can throw on the run. Uh, just, he's a very clean prospect. And I think considering what's going on at Oklahoma, I think he's going to, he's, if, if he doesn't do anything, I think he's going to enhance
0: his draft stock and is a
1: top five pick next year. So.
0: Yeah, I did really like him and uh, I'd be pretty surprised if I moved off of him for Howell, but um, like you said, or I haven't seen a few of these guys yet. So uh, Malik Willis is someone I'm kind of intrigued by as well, just from the limited time I've, or, you know highlights or whatever but um yep. i if anyone could really skyrocket he might be the guy that has the best chance well and i think this is
1: you know i really do like Spencer Rattler i think he's comparative with the top 4 we had this most recent draft class i think he's a really good prospect i think beyond that in this next quarterback class i'm a little bit worried we're talking about small school guys and we're talking about lower upside guys i think yeah. Malik Willis and Carson Strong where we started this list Those are the guys that have a chance to maybe make this an above-average class if they come out and do kind of what pundits and experts seem to be predicting for them. Um, You know, a couple of years ago, Trey Lance was an unknown name, and now he was the number three overall pick. So I think you're right. That's where the upside is in this class, potentially, if we can see some good seasons from those two um, in what should be their final season season. that's cool. Uh, what is your first top five? Sorry, I was I, I talked a lot there, so why don't why don't you? No, get that's cool. Your first I top five.
0: So. I am not nearly as in tune with the twenty twenty two class as you are, so that's more uh, something that I'm learning just as much as our listeners are probably learning about. But uh, I think I want to start with uh, kind of the to wrap up the preseason a little bit, even though it's not totally done yet. I wanted to kind of go through the five guys on my list or Neman, I'm going to totally change this up because we both kind of had a similar topic. So um, I'm just going to do the five my guys, basically is what I'll call it. The five guys that I just want as many shares as possible. The, um, this isn't really news to a lot of you that have listened to this show before, um, but if you're new to the show, I want to give you the just the five guys that I'm kind of banging my drum hardest for this year. Yeah. Um, number five, I think you probably would agree with me is uh, Jalen Darden. He was that, not know. my favorite prospect in the in the most no, recent class, but he was he our he favorite was, prospect. Well, my favorite prospect. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I guess bit relatively based on where he's yes, going and his right. acquisition price, yes, yeah. he is my favorite. So, Jalen Darden is on every team I have except for the leagues that I'm in with you because yep. you just have to make sure you get him over me in our auction uh, or contract league auction draft the other day. You had to outbid me for him, so I I resent you a little bit right now. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Darden, if you've listened to five minutes of the show, you know that we love him. Number four for me is Noah Fant. Um, I've been a big fan of him ever since he was a prospect. I I really like the Broncos' offensive skill players, and I think Noah Fant has uh, the best chance of anyone outside of you know, the top three or four guys at tight end to ascend into that, um, you know, early, early round tight end draftable type guy mm-hmm. class. Um, Tony Pollard would be my number three. Um, you'll find out more later. Uh, number two would be Antonio Gibson. Um, the guy I think that has the best chance to ascend to the that elite tier of running backs that's uh-huh. not currently in there. And number one, CeeDee Lamb who's going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL before long. So, you know
1: what I loved when I saw this list typed out, because you're, you're a pro, you had all your stuff typed out. I've got it on my phone over here. Uh, was that you didn't have Brandon Iuk on here. And after we keep trying to one up each other on Brandon Ayuk, Iuk, I kind of finally feel like I've finally, cause he's a guy that would have not missed my guy list for sure. And that's, uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah, and he was on the list. I just didn't want to have three wide receivers on the list, and I couldn't not put Darden on there. So,
1: (laughs) but that's what I mean,
0: Darden. But that's just just... me really emphasizing that. I love Ayuk, but CD's my guy. I don't want him to feel like I'm, you know, looking over the other direction every now and then.
1: I won't argue with you there. CD is definitely your guy. So let's move to. Uh, a more important position in the 2022 class. And unfortunately, I did allude to the fact that I think, you know, I think we're looking at a below average class. I think if you're really looking to rebuild your team at, at running back, 2023 is the class to do it. I'm not going to get into the names there. I, I do think we have interesting names in this upcoming class. I just, the the excitement factor is, I think, a little bit lacking. and And you know, it's not that necessarily any of these players are bad. None of them just seem to have massive upside. It's it to me, it feels very comparable to the Montgomery, Sanders, and uh, Jacobs draft class in that sense. And I'll just get right into it. Uh, so at, at number five, I had a hard time. I was I really want to put uh, a player here, but I'm just I'm not confident. A he's going to come out or declare for the NFL because he also could play baseball. And so I'll just say number five is Zamir White. I know you did a film breakdown of him earlier in the offseason. So we've we've talked about him a little bit on this show. Former five-star recruit has the prototype size. I, I think there's still reason to believe that he's going to be very good. Georgia should have a big season this year. And I think a big part of it's going to be Zamir White. I think the unpopular part about my list is going to be that I have Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall as my next two guys up here. I think more often than not the consensus opinion feels to be that that's the top two guys in this this upcoming class they're bigger uh they're more of the prototypical size uh running backs i'm a little bit concerned about Brees hall just having the overall um athleticism i want to see another season from him but he feels he feels a lot the way you know and this is this this could partially be just sort of a blind spot for me but it feels a little bit like montgomery where he's wrestling people a lot more uh, he's stopping his feet an awful lot, and that's just the sort of thing that it works in the Big 12. It does not work at the next level. At the next level, if you're not gaining ground, you're. It doesn't matter how many tackles you break. And I think Montgomery has learned, you know, has learned had to learn that over the first couple years of his career. I see a little bit of that in Brees Hall, and you know, long speed gets overemphasized, but I think he's a little bit lacking there. Isaiah Spiller, I'll just be honest, I haven't watched quite enough of him. Um, to put him above the next two guys on this list who I do like a lot more and I have had a lot more opportunities to watch. Um, and that's Kyron Williams of Notre Dame um, and Eric Gray, the transfer from Tennessee to Oklahoma. Um, I think Gray is the one that's that's probably the most uh, the furthest from consensus ranking. I'm very high on him. I just love the way he can string cuts together. I think he's a three down back despite being diminutive he's 59206. Um, I, you know, I think he can do it all and you know I don't think he's being treated that way. I think um, with what OU has, has graduated and what they you know, the, the potentials they have for uh, success in the big 12, I think he's going to have a massive year. And I think by the time we get to the end of the college football season, he'll be more consensusly rated um, in this area. Kyron Williams, sorry, I don't don't mean to just gloss over him. Uh, also diminutive, but much more powerful. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Devonta Freeman in that regard of this, just this little thunderhouse of, you know, power and, and good speed, but um, just really runs tough and, and physical for his size. So I do really like him as well. I think both the reason I have both of these guys over Spiller and Hall is the, I just feel like there's more of a pass catching skill set. And that's something that um, I really look for first and foremost in my running backs at this point, almost irregardless of PPR um, standard dynasty redraft, whatever, that's what I'm looking for. And I think those two got it. So, uh, that is my top five 2022 rookie running back prospects.
0: Nice. Uh, so you said diminutive, diminutive firehouse. I like it. Did I say
1: firehouse? I meant power thunder house. Yeah. Do you like that?
0: Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna do next my kind of the five guys that I'm fading. Um, I don't necessarily even hate all of these guys. It's just kind of the guys that, for their, you know, ADP or acquisition point, I'm just not that interested in. Um, number five for me, Juju. Kind of pains me to say. I've I've transformed my kind of feelings about Juju a million times in the short four years he's been in the league Mm -hmm. loved him so much as a youngster still a youngster but just I don't know man his style in that offense right now is so uninteresting to me just that quick get him the ball he's almost more been their running game so I'm curious if this year if they don't try to use him differently I'm just so much more interested in Deontay and Claypool so I'm kind of out on Juju number four pains me to say a little bit too because I love him as a football player, but TJ Hawkinson, I just, I don't think he's going to have nearly the amount of success in this offense, especially this year that people have kind of projected on him. Um, And it's more kind of, I prefer the other guys so much more um, for value climb potential this year. Um, I just think he's going to be the focal point of every defensive game plan. He's already banged up a little bit. I don't, Think he's sitting on that grade of a year. Um, my number three former Lion, a guy that I really, really like as a football player as well. But um, the injuries and already being a little hurt this year. Kenny Galladay, just trying to avoid that archetype. Yep. So I think I'm out on him. And the top two for me, both running backs, both guys that if you know me, you know I'm fading. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, don't think he's very good at all. Just to be frank about that, and then Zeke, um, I feel you know I've been thinking a lot about Zeke, and am I being too harsh on my fading of Zeke? Is there still one or two more great years in there? And there very well could be, but I think he's already had um, like sixteen thousand, or yeah, six. I can't remember the number, but a. Uh, buttload of carries and yeah, a lot of carries yep and um I just think the I'd rather be a year too quick than a year too far and I love Tony Pollard as you can already gather I honestly if I was feeling a little frisky I'd say Tony Pollard's already the the more talented running back on this roster currently not you know he's not on, as good as Zeke was but on
1: film he was last year there's yeah. no doubt about that I I genuinely believe he was the better running back last year Zeke didn't look right though and I think You've seen him look a little bit better this training camp, this preseason. There's reason to think that maybe he can get back to that, but there's no doubt he was the better player last year.
0: Yeah, and I I don't want to replay last year, and um, there has been a lot of positive steam about Zeke's kind of preseason in camp. Well, he, I don't think he's played any in the preseason, but just no, but his camp. looking really good in camp and. Um, yeah, there could be more, one more year and um, I'm not going to trade them for like a third round pick or anything, <laughs> but I think there is still a Zeke believer in your league. Like I, I was yes. just in a league where you'd get drafted third overall and it was a startup or not a startup, uh, um, a redraft league. But if there's someone that's willing to take Zeke that early, which there seems to be in every one of my new leagues this mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. I think you can still get pretty deep a pretty darn good return for him. Um maybe even something like Antonio Gibson plus a pick. I would do that trade all day long. Well,
1: and I think you the, the maybe the time is now with JK Dobbins going down and Cam Akers obviously a couple weeks ago. Uh the dust is starting to settle there, Travis Etienne. There's a few more teams that might be running back needy that weren't a couple weeks ago who might be more interested in Zeke than they were uh I don't know, say a couple months ago. And so Uh, maybe you could go target some of those types of managers with with a Zeke trade that that you know you get a wide receiver you get a first round pick something like you know if you could get Claypool and a first round pick would that I mean how close is that to you I think that you'd probably a little short yet but I think that's the kind of the type of foundation I'd be looking for to begin a trade discussion
0: yeah no I like that um kind of idea there I think it's uh Pretty good starting point. I would try and pry a little bit more, but I guess it would all just kind of depend on how desperate I was to move him. But, uh, yeah, why don't you kick it on to um, wide
1: receivers. We wide got the receivers. 2022 class of wide receivers. I, I think you said one thing in your last uh, section there about Kenny Galladay and not chasing that archetype. Uh, I'm going to cheat here again a little bit. We're going to do three honorable mention, guys who didn't make my top five, and it's for precisely that reason. Uh, not the archetype of player that either of us are chasing at this point. And so I think this is going to surprise a few people. George Pickens did not make my top five. We may not see him at all this year. We may see a little bit of him, uh, but is that big, rangy, you know, physical player. Justin Ross did not make my top five. Very good player at Clemson. This is maybe the one that I'm most concerned that I'm wrong on. And then just one more name to know, Dante Dimas. I think all three of these guys are these big, physical, outside, rangy, uh, archetypes that we're not necessarily chasing but it seems like the community tends to be the highest on so uh, i just wanted to get those three names out there before we get into the top five because they are still players that i like but i think they're going to be consensusly more highly valued to uh, other dynasty managers and and maybe just the industry in general than than i have them uh so get it into the top five david bell uh, really one of my favorite prospects in this entire draft. I think he's just so good at, at pretty much everything. He sees a jack of all trades. I've called him Robert Woods in the past. And, you know, that may not ever, you know, amount to a wide receiver number one overall season. It just might end up being six seasons in the top 20. And that's, uh, I think that's what you're going to get in David Bell. He's just such a good route runner. So physical at the catch, you know, not particularly big, but I think just big enough to do some of that, sort of contested catch stuff, yet still separate, still be pretty good after the catch. David Bell is a guy that I'm really, really excited about. Um, and number four, John Mechie at Alabama. Uh, you know, kind of, I guess his ace in the hole is is he's a really good blocker for his size. He's, he's gonna impress coaches from that standpoint, but is a very good route runner, uh, is gonna walk into a huge target load, and, and you know, is really gonna have some weight thrust on his shoulders there at Alabama this year. They've lost a lot of pass catchers the last couple of years. He's kind of what's left of that nucleus that they've had. Um, I expect big things from him. And and another guy that, you know, maybe is a little bit disrespected because I think after the catch, he's pretty good. And, and you know, like I said, I think in in the run game, he's a three down player. So John Mechie, a guy that I really, really like. Uh, my next two guys are both Ohio State players. I'll be honest. I gave the tip of the cap to the senior, but the guy with more upside is is Garrett Wilson. So Chris Olave is my number two. Garrett Wilson is my number three. This is very interchangeable for me, and in fact, I think very easily both could could move up to number one in this class. I think there's a tier of three, um, these two, and and the one guy I haven't still talked about yet. Uh, Chris Olave, extremely good route runner, very polished player. He's going to be a guy who can hit the ground running. Really would have been. I don't know a first round pick this year, early second he would have gone in that Bateman Elijah Moore uh, range. It was kind of surprising to see him go back, especially with the talent they have behind him um, at Ohio State. But it's going to be exciting to watch, and and I think he's gonna um, he's gonna move up into the top fifteen or so of the NFL draft just based on NFL readiness. Um, Garrett Wilson is just just so raw. There's such a big upside as a route runner, as a contested catch player. Um, and really is obviously very dynamic after the catch. So I'm burying the lead here. My number one, um, I've talked about him before. I did a film film workup for a podcast we did a couple months ago. Uh, it's Traylon Burks, Arkansas. And, and, you know, I'm a little bit out there on Traylon Burks, but I think, again, I keep bringing up this word. It's archetype at this point. A lot of these guys, I can't separate them at this this very moment just based on film. We have so much of that still to go. What I'm really looking for is who could have a big impact at the NFL level, and and what sort of roles are NFL teams really, really coveting and hard to fill. And I think Traylon Burks hits the nail on the head there. I think he's uh, that that quintessential, you know, Michael Thomas, AJ Brown. You know, you talked about not particularly loving Juju Smith-Schuster, but I think this big slot role in the NFL is is a vital role. And I think for fantasy, Chris Godwin's a guy that matches this sort of player profile as well. I think Traylon Burks very unpolished as a route runner, lines up almost exclusively in the slot. But the things he can do with the ball in his hand at 6'3", 225 pounds, I just think makes him, um, it just makes him a very, very unique player. And I think offers maybe the most just overall easy upside in this class. And so I think I'm out on a limb here a little bit. I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to change my opinion because both Olave and Wilson are no doubt much more NFL ready. And I think just cleaner prospects in general. But Traylon Burks is the guy that I'm kind of willing to stick my neck out for as, as an absolute game changer and just an impossible player to tackle on the open field. The the you know the guy that I, I mentioned in the film study is, is what we all hoped Jalen Hurd might be. And actually, maybe Chase Claypool is sort of a, a good cop at this point of where 240 pounds almost and plays like a running back still, even at that long sort of lanky size. So there's a vertical aspect as well as this sort of um, manufactured touch part of his game. And I think it makes him a really both uh, dynamic ceiling play as well as a high floor guy as well. So I'm going a little bit long, but I really, really do love Traylon Burks. And I think there's a lack of sort of understanding. And just this isn't just an athlete we're getting excited about. This is a player that at the NFL level can fill a role that I don't think NFL defenses have quite quite figured out how to account for yet that debo samuel that 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 big slot that's basically a running back and treylon burks is that sort of on steroids so i'm in love with the kid uh watch him arkansas he's a stud
0: yeah i think garrett wilson was be, would be my number one at this yes, point we but, talked about uh, yep, yep yeah treylon uh, very intrigued so i'm gonna be watching a lot of arkansas football this year i think um so, um one of my lists is kind of just a goofy thing, I think I'll save for the end. So, um why don't we kind of do our biggest risers from the preseason now. Okay, um, yep. I'll start with mine. Do you want to okay. just kind of kick it back and forth? one. Looking
1: at the list, we have some overlap. So, why don't you just start with five and I'll tell All you where right.
0: we overlap. All right. I haven't seen your list. So, okay, yep. my number five... Uh, It's kind of hard to be a riser when you're someone I was already very fond of, but I think Terrace Marshall has looked like the real deal. Um, A lot of confirmation bias here, I'm sure, but um, I'm really, really, really excited about Terrace Marshall, especially after watching what he's done and um, really, really excited about this Carolina Panthers offense. I think Sam Darnold has looked like he might already be a different quarterback. I'm I'm pretty bullish on Carolina.
1: Yeah, no, and I had I had Terrence Marshall on this list. I think it's interesting though. I put him as my biggest riser, and I okay, you know, I was I was a fan of the talent, but I remember at, at, you know at the time during the draft process talking a little bit about some some effort issues. This most recent season at LSU, I think there was a little bit of worry about sort of you know this situation in general, especially with Robbie Anderson signing. But um, I'm with you. I think you know as the big slot once again, Gal, I'm going to say that a hundred times this show. As the big slot, he's coming from an LSU offense that Joe Brady initially coordinated there to a, to a national championship. Headed to Carolina, and now he's got his "quote unquote" big slot back. I think Terrace Marshall is is headed for for a big season uh, as basically the pseudo tight end in the Carolina offense.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, Why
1: don't I? So let me give you my five. So I, yeah. I had, I had Kylin Hill, and you know, I. I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen with, with Kylan Hill. I think when I'm looking at this green Bay situation, based on what I've seen out of the two backup running backs to Aaron Jones, I think if there's going to be a second green Bay running back that weekly has uh, some amount of standalone viability, I think it's trending towards it being Kylan Hill. I I really look at AJ Dillon and I go, he's a perfect handcuff running back. And if something happened to AJ or I, excuse me, uh, Aaron Jones, uh I think AJ Dillon would be great. But as like a give him a couple touch, he's not I don't think he's a high efficiency player. He's a player that's gonna wear you out. And when I look at Kylan Hill, he's much more efficient touch to touch, I think. And so if I'm gonna give a guy six, eight touches a game behind Aaron Jones, I might I'm looking at it right now and going, I think Kylan Hill is the better option. I think he showed a lot. Certainly it's been against some of the lower tier uh second and third unit guys, but I've been really impressed with Kylan Hill and he's been one of my bigger risers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I haven't really watched a ton of the Packers this preseason, but the, I think there was one game I did have a little bit of time to s- sit down and watch, and I, I liked what I saw, and I thought that was kind of a, a astute pick by them at the time. Me too, yeah. It's now proving to probably be true. Uh, my number four was the guy I was, honestly, I was pretty lukewarm on him throughout the process, and I think I'm starting to see a lot of the things that you saw in Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. He. I think he won this job. I know they haven't said that, but I'd be pretty surprised if New England goes with Cam Newton week one. Mac Jones um, makes this team a lot more interesting to me. Um, I think he's going to be a stud now. I I think I was a little too, I don't know. I I, I was trying not to go out too much on a limb of not liking him, but um, I don't know what. What it was, I think I let the the star-studded cast around him at Alabama really make me grade him on a curve, and I think he's proven that he doesn't need to be surrounded by greatness at mm-hmm. every level to have success.
1: Yeah, because the processing speed is so good. Let's you just just don't lie to anybody anymore. You faded him because his real name is McCorkle, and and no other reason than that. Uh,
0: <laughs> Actually, my- that would be a reason for me <laughs> to like someone more. That's just great.
1: Feather in the cap. Uh, my number four is is Pat Fryermuth. Uh I think what he did the other night, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger on the field, I think they built a lot of trust. I think Eric Ebron has already dropped enough balls in in Pittsburgh, nonetheless, across his NFL career, uh, to say that he's going to drop a few more. And a player like Ben Roethlisberger, who knows the clock is ticking, that that matters. He's not going to care if you're a rookie or not if you catch everything that's thrown at you. And and that's what Pat Fryermuth has done so far it it's not going to be a fun ride for redraft and I, there's obviously worry about the quarterback position long term for for dynasty but i think pat firmans I is a really good nfl player and so i'm investing pretty much regardless i think he's going to have fantasy impact towards the the back half of this uh this 2021 season
0: yeah he almost made my my guys list so oh, yes, yeah? i I've, I've been on pat all since the first time i watched him on film i love that guy so yeah. he's uh still- I'm with you there. Um my number 3 another guy that I already really liked and mm-hmm. this is not he's not even almost a riser for me because of him himself even though I do really like him. Uh Darnell Mooney, I, I I believe in Justin Fields to the point where I think Mooney's such a sneaky buy right now. Um he's probably the guy I've been trying to make trade offers for more than anyone this yep. last couple of weeks it's because I feel like I've already seen enough from Justin Fields. I think this offense is going to work and maybe Matt Nagy can start Andy Dalton to the point where he gets fired this offseason. We're going to have a new system installed and and there are ways this could go wrong, but I think Darnell Mooney is the wide receiver that's going to be paired with Justin Fields for the next six years quarterback. I believe in a talented wide receiver that I believe in maybe he's better served as a number two. And that's what we're going to see this year. But, um, I'm wheels up for Mooney and kind of really depressed that the Bears have Justin Fields as a Vikings fan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little worried about it as well. Uh, I've got Mooney on a different list, so I'll I'll just leave that one there. My number three is Zach Wilson. You had a quarterback on here. It was Mac Jones. Mine's Zach Wilson. I don't think my opinion has changed on Zach. The reason he came on this list is I think people are starting to realize sort of, okay, yeah, he is much more NFL ready than we thought. BYU to New York is not going to be a major issue. I know it's just preseason, by the way. We're not victory lapping on anything. I, I think at the end of the day, he can play. He's going to have struggles in year one, but I think he's proving already why he was validating why he was thought of the way he was thought of by the NFL community. It's uh, It's been fun to see. I'm excited for New York. I'm kind of over the moon for them. Um, he's had a good preseason, and I'm, I'm excited to see how how that sort of, you know,
0: how that ball keeps rolling as we move towards the regular season. Right on. My number two, LaVisca Chenault. I was a little hesitant to put him on this list because I didn't want to include injuries to factor in. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say that Travis Etienne going down won't right. benefit LaVisca Chenault. I think he'll almost become uh, take some of those design roles or things that Urban Meyer had thought up. But I don't think he needs to be gadget player to be successful. I think he can yep. succeed as just a typical wide receiver. So um, loved him going into this offseason, trying to acquire him in a lot of places, and I did mm-hmm. so. I think LaVisca is the wide receiver to own on this team.
1: Yeah, they kind of put an exclamation point on the preseason today as well. Uh, LaVisca short scored a touchdown, I think, had three catches and like 60 yards on the drive, and uh, those two seemed to to really find a rhythm. And you're right. Um, I sort of wonder if the Etienne injury, um, you know, we'll never actually know, but if the Etienne injury actually helped LaVisca Chenault more so than it helped uh, then it helped James Robinson. We'll uh, we'll never know, but, uh, my number two is, is your number one. So let's just talk about him together. Uh, it's, it's Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, you know, we don't want to overreact to production, especially in the preseason. And especially when it comes on long, long touchdown runs at the end of games. And, um, you know, Ramondre, uh, definitely has some warts and some some red flags, but I think you can't look at what he's done this preseason and said he hasn't helped himself almost more so than anybody else in the NFL. He fits what this team wants to do really, whether it's Mac Jones uh, or uh, Cam Newton back there. So he's going to play a role at some point. One because the likelihood of Damian Harris playing all 16 games is you know the you know, same it is for any running back, not particularly high. And uh, I think they're going to start featuring him a little bit in the every down, you know, every week uh, role because they they are going to be a power run team. So Ramondre Stevenson has helped himself a ton. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kind of take all the wind out of the, the call here, but you got anything to add?
0: No, and I, I will say, I maybe just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, things yeah. that are maybe we should cool our jets a little bit because it's hard not to get excited about we, what we've seen and confirmation bias um, by having had drafted him already so many times in my rookie drafts and seeing that value rise. Um, things that would worry me um, if uh, to try and not let this become a runaway train, Belichick's historically swapped out running backs like mm-hmm. – you like no other coach in the league. So um a fumble here or there, Ramondre yeah. could be riding pine. I think J.J. Taylor's actually a little bit more um ready to be a factor in this offense as well. You're not going to get much of a receiving output from him. They still have yep. James White. And goal line, they could just decide they prefer Harris over Ramondre, even though I think Ramondre – is very well equipped for goal line and even if Mac Jones starts Cam Newton could come in some red zone packages and still be kind of their goal line back so um, all of those reasons are still there for concern but I just think talent wise you've said going into the preseason is what are we looking for we're looking for guys to win roles and I think I think he won himself at least a really good chance at a role.
1: Yeah, well, he he won a piece of this backfield. Absolutely, he was coming into preseason. He was probably he didn't have a roster spot guaranteed, and now I think he has, you know, twenty percent of this offense guaranteed, and and more if he plays really well. And if, like I said, every running back is one injury away, so uh, I do think he's a buy. I don't maybe not right now, but you know, certainly he's for the context of this list in terms of risers, he's uh, about as big of a riser as we could possibly imagine. So, you know, I was going to do rookie fallers or, or preseason rookie fallers, I should say. But at the end of the day, what it really what it really amounts to is just stop fading Jamar Chase. If you can get 97 percent on the dollar for Jamar Chase of what he was worth a month ago, go do it. Because I'm not worried about, you know, a couple drops in a preseason game. Right. Uh, so I'm going to just skip over that list and go a little bit more positive. Uh, I'm going to do five tier jumpers here. So this is five players that I expect uh, to jump up into a higher tier than they're currently in. And and I think the important note to have here is that the way I look at this is um, I'll just give the example. I wanted to put Noah Fant on this list initially. And, and upon looking at my ranks, I already have him ranked in a tier that's pretty well above where the consensus has him. So I didn't really feel like he fit what I'm looking for here is spots where I'm aligned with the consensus and I still sort of see the the potential or the high likelihood for there to be a big jump, uh, one, two, even three tiers up the ranks as we go through this this NFL season. So um, this is my five-tier jumpers. Number five, like I said, I wanted to get a tight end in. Noah Fant was the name that stuck out, but I've already got him pretty much tiered where I think everybody else would jump him if he has a good season. So I went with Tyler Higbee. Uh, We're both very bullish on this L.A. Rams offense. I really liked the film I saw on Tyler Higby a couple years ago when he was successful. I think he's much better after the catch than people give him credit for. I know he's not a a particularly good route runner. I don't even know that he's particularly good at the catch point. But I think as a component of this offense, fitting what they want to do, what McVay wants to do, especially now that he's got a, a quarterback that can unlock so much more in Matt Stafford, I think Tyler Higby is, is a good buy, especially in Dynasty. I feel like there's much more hesitancy to buy him in Dynasty. I think in redraft, he's going close to a uh, a tight end one. And now with the Ingram and, and Irv Smith injuries, could very easily be going in that top 12. I think there's much more hesitancy in Dynasty at this point. And I think you could go buy him for, you know, could you go get him for a third in Tommy Tremble? I, I kind of wonder if you if you maybe could pull something like that off. Um, I'd even be willing to give upwards of a late second if I felt like I was a true contender who needed a tight end uh, for Tyler Higby. My uh, number four, DJ Moore. I know he's already pretty consensusly highly ranked. We've talked a little bit about this Carolina team already. You mentioned Sam Darnold and the fact that you maybe think sort of, he's already washed a little bit of the stink of New York off of him. And then he looks like a new player. If he can unlock sort of this offense, I really believe that good things are in store for all three wide receivers, but I think D.J. Moore can jump into that elite tier of wide receivers, into the C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf sort of tier of the next elite wide receivers. And he's still very, very young, I believe, 24 years as of right now. Um, So you know, big sort of future, big window if he can hit the ceiling that I think he's capable of. I think so much more of it is tied to Sam Darnold, and that's why I didn't have him maybe higher up this list because I'm pretty sure at this point that uh, he's a really good player. He's a good route runner. He's excellent after the catch. I think he can pretty much operate in any area of the field. He's a really good player. I think he's going to make that ascension if Darnold is good this year. Uh, my number three is a guy you covered in the biggest preseason risers. It's LaVisca Chenault. So I'm not going to say a heck of a lot more. I think the the boost of Etienne being out, combined with just sort of year two for a raw prospect with, oh, by the way, one of the best quarterback prospects added to his team that we've, we've seen since luck. All of these things are trending in a, in a very, very positive direction for Laviska. Not enough to sort of just arbitrarily jump him to his ceiling, but I think he's a guy that very likely will hit that ceiling and jump a few tiers. Uh, my number two you've also talked about here, so I won't spend a ton of time on, it's Tony Pollard. I think it's just it's a matter of time before either Zeke is no longer able to keep being Zeke and Pollard shows to just definitively be the better player or that he's able to get out of Dallas and find a place that's going to pay him like a number one and play him like a number one uh, because I do believe he's a number one running back. Maybe not a 25-touch running back, but a guy who can lead your committee, and I think Pollard will show that again this year. My number one, Darnell Mooney, he's the most – underrated player in all of dynasty fantasy football. I really believe that I got him for a third round pick uh, prior to the cut deadline in FFPC. Um, I've been acquiring him just about everywhere I could. I don't quite understand what people are missing here. As right. a rookie quarterback with a first round grade that the community almost likes more than the NFL even does. Uh, you're talking about Allen Robinson, a player that he can learn from that, that takes sort of some of this early year pressure off. Um, and you know, really nobody else behind him, really good route runner. He tested phenomenally as a small school kid out of Tulane. I think he ran four, three, eight, if I'm not mistaken at the combine. Uh, so he's a good athlete, good route runner. And oh, by the way, he kind of proved it in year one. So I don't quite see where the community is missing on Mooney, but, uh, I I love the kid. I think he's going to have a huge 2021.
0: Totally agree all I right wish well, i had more to add but well I you kind of already did earlier you
1: made him your third biggest riser from the preseason yeah. so we got kind of some overlap in both of these lists here um in terms of guys that we're expecting breakouts from or or just guys that are rising for us uh what's we got one more list or uh you got one more list i'm out of i'm out of ammo give us your last list here to last yeah, top just five. Kind of
0: a popcorn list uh these are the five teams uh excluding the Minnesota Vikings. I don't even think they would make the list if I included them. So I don't know why I needed that caveat, but the teams I'm most excited to watch um, kind of for more so for fantasy purposes. But at this point, all football is really fantasy because we play a lot of IDP. So I did kind of factor that in a little bit, just the top five teams I'm most excited to watch this year. Number Mm -hmm. five, Carolina Panthers already went off a bunch about why, so I don't need to double that down. Yep. Number four, Los Angeles Rams. Um, super excited to see what Matt Stafford can unlock in this offense. Really high on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in redraft formats. And I still think they're pretty good values in Dynasty because they're not the sexy young players. But I think there is something very sexy about what this offense can do. Um, I think they still fit the two- to three-year window that most dynasty managers are looking to build, so I'm very high on both of them. Number three, Buffalo Bills. Love Gabe Davis. I think this offense can be just as special as they were last year. Um, It's so much fun watching Josh Allen kind of be a more mobile Brett Favre. (laughs) Number two, Cleveland Browns. Maybe the best all around roster in the NFL right now. i I'm yeah. very excited to watch Cleveland. I think Baker Mayfield's sitting on a pretty big jump this year. He's going to get himself paid. And number one, the Washington football team I, I just it's gonna be such a fun, fun team to watch. It Ryan is. Fitzpatrick is always worth watching on Game Pass or Red Zone or whatever. Mm-hmm your football schmorgasborg is but also this defense I think has the potential to be the number one defense in the NFL. We actually the, the thing I'm you know, it's probably not a surprise, but the thing I'm most excited to watch on this team, even though Antonio Gibson's one of my favorite, you know, one of my my guys, I'm really excited to watch Chase Young yeah. and uh Montez Sweat. This D line's gonna be nasty. Yeah, and,
1: and Jonathan Allen, and I'm excited to yeah. see how Jamin Davis, the, the rookie first-rounder, can impact this team. There's a lot of, of sexiness to this. And you know what? They've got a lot of guys that you like. You mentioned Fitzpatrick is a guy to root for, but Ron Rivera is e- a very easy you know, yeah. coach to root, root for at this point. Um, I, I loved your top two because I don't think, you know, we've come full circle from two years ago, Cleveland getting all the love to They actually feel, you're right, they very well might have the best roster. They're right there with, you know, a couple teams maybe in terms of the best roster top to bottom. And they feel like they're a complete side note at this point. So we've sort of come full circle from where we were a couple years ago when there was all this sort of of premeditated hype to now where the roster actually feels like it's finally ready to go and, and now there's really nobody talking about them. So I loved your top two there.
0: Beautiful. Um, yeah, so I don't really have much else to, to add to the show today. I just wanted to say I'm very excited for uh real football, I'm very excited to watch some college football, actually, for maybe the first time in my life. So, um, we're gonna start going to two shows a week as soon as next week, right? Was that the uh, plan, or the week after?
1: I think Let's... the week after. I think what we'll do is we'll do one more Sunday night show, and then we'll start. Like uh, we'll st- we'll do two shows next week, essentially. So this will be the only show this week. Next week, you can expect one early in the week as well as late in the week. That will be much more of a preview of what's upcoming the weekend. The Monday show is much more of a recap, especially in season. We're gonna be very film oriented. What are we seeing? That's, I think, the best thing that we can provide as analysts for you something that's very time consuming that I think uh, is important to this whole thing. We can look at stats and we can look at numbers and rankings and all that stuff. But I think unless you're getting eyes on these players, you're sort of you're you're missing the bigger picture. And so that's a big component of what our early week show is going to be. And then our late you know week show, we're going to feature a little more of a college football. And I think this year in terms of who you can be watching in terms of prospect, and I know I've put a lot of work into that the last month or so, um, kind of getting ready so that I can be prepared to talk about somebody. And we'll, we'll do the normal sort of preview of games, what we're looking for as dynasty managers, sort of the general, uh, just dynasty strategy stuff. But the the Thursday show will be a lot of a lot of that. So uh, I think yeah, n- uh, next week we'll we'll plan to switch to two a week.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe the mistake we made last year or the learning, um, growing yeah. pains we had is we tried to get to everything all mm-hmm. the time. We tried to preview every single game every week and review every single game every week. And our shows were running long and I just felt like I was a little short on everything I wanted we're to racing. say. Yeah. So um, I think this year our plan is we're going to narrow our focus on a weekly basis. So you you may not get our Patriots take every week, right. but when it when it really matters, we're going to, we're gonna spotlight maybe two to three games a, a piece and really try to give you useful stuff from those games I think is basically gonna be the main change if you've been with us for a while that we're gonna kind of narrow and expand at the same time for yeah. th- this upcoming season
1: too many times I uh, said last year insert New York team I'm really glad you took this game off my plate or uh, really? I-, I had a really hard time watching we There was a certain segment of games that we could have spent our time better. We're still going to give you the stuff that really, really matters. But yes, we're going to try to be a little bit more targeted, both because I think it's going to help us articulate to you as the listener sort of what we really saw in some of the more important games but also it just takes a little bit of a weight off of our plate in terms of watching some of this stuff that we know is not, you know, and I still probably will watch a lot of it. I'll be real honest with you, but it'll just be able to be a little bit more casual and not. so. Yeah,
0: like yeah maybe we'll do like a bullet points thing like because yeah. we'll have our game draft and just kind of our quick hitters like, oh, so this Giants uh, whatever game that we weren't excited about. There was this thing that was still kind of interesting we'll just yeah. kind of that off real quick.
1: So that's the format kind of moving forward. And, uh, you know, it's been a fun off season. I think, you know, we're excited to just get, get real football. I know we had a little college this weekend, but uh, it was just a taste. I'm I'm pretty excited for the opening weekend. I will be in Cincinnati, uh, school chanting in front of Cincinnati fans, tailgating there. I can't wait for that. Uh, so the season is, it's, I, I, I kind of get tingles when I start thinking about it. It's right around the corner and I, I freaking
0: can't wait. How awesome is that Bucks Cowboys game gonna be, by the way. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for that game. I was gonna do a list of the top five games I'm most excited to watch as individual games for the year. And I I think my list might have been like 74 games long. There's so many (laughs) like I was just going week by week on the schedule earlier. And there are so many just hardcore awesome football games on the schedule right now. Hopefully the this injury train can slow down. And and I'm I'm afraid of some of these super. Interesting teams becoming less interesting, but man, as of now, the schedule on paper looks pretty phenomenal. There was one week that I think had like seven games that were just, that felt super marquee to me, so the league's in a good place right now, man. Quarterback's deep, there's so much star power. We might be in the glory days of the NFL, I don't know.
1: I, yeah, I kind of think I think kind of think we are. I sort of wonder where we'll be in 50 years, but that's a conversation for a different day. You can follow either of us on Twitter. I am at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, you are at Nasty Newts. Please give us both a follow. If you ever want fantasy advice, you can always DM either of us. Both of us, both of us keep that open. So let us know. And uh, thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you on uh, Sunday or Monday of next week.
0: Indeed. uh, Goodbye. So long. Farewell. (laughs) Bye. Bye.